0: Hey, everybody! It is Yasser! I forgot my line. I'm just kidding. It's (laughs) Isaiah! Uh, We are from my brother Sneaker, and we've got a little announcement. We are teaming up with a podcast app called Spoke to give you three exclusive uh, episodes. Uh, Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. The Spoke team handpicks the best moment from a ton of podcasts and creates playlist clips from a bunch of shows, and you can just search and try them out and find anything that you love. For instance... Oh, yeah. There's a playlist on there uh, called Slice of Life, which is all about, like, crazy, incredible things that happen to everyday people. Like, I just learned this, bro. I just learned some people pay their bills on time, dog. Oh, is that a thing? Dog, people will have a bill due date, and they will pay that bill before then. That's crazy to me. Before then. You know what else is crazy? What? Spoke also has a, a lot of fun, exclusive content from Feral Audio. Yeah. Um... It's just, you know, like our tournament episodes are going to be, Oh like, yeah. you know, there's going to be stuff like Sleep With Me, a lot of our, our other great shows here at Farrell. You don't want to miss it. Yep. Download Spoke now. It's free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of My Brother's Sneakers' exclusive Spoke episodes at hearspoke.com slash mybrotherssneakers. MBS, MBS. Model boys, cute boys, round butt boys all day.
1: Guys, I want to tell you about a great sponsor I have, Bompus. They're premium, high-performance athletic socks, and they're so comfortable you're never going to want to take them off. And because socks are the number one requested item in homeless shelters, for every pair of socks purchased, Bompus donates one pair of those to those in need. Almost one million pairs donated to date, 15% off the first purchase of four or more socks, plus free shipping. So go to getbompus.com slash feral. And buy some comfortable socks. Feral Audio. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. If you like my theme music there, that's a band called Les Blanks. Check out more of their stuff. It's real good. I think you'll like them. LesBlanks.com If um, you are a first-time listener to the show, thank you very much for coming on board and listening. It means a great deal to me. And uh, feel free to uh, you know check out other episodes uh, at with slash conversationswithmattdeweire. Uh, I've spoken to a, a lot of great, legendary people and uh today i is uh, i do it again i speak with tom spanbauer who is a novelist and an incredible writer his new novel i loved you more is just so goddamn good um i say this in the episode but like you feel like you're in the room with these people in his his characters it's uh it's really incredible and i have you know i have it, you know i was I, you know i do one of these shows a week almost and i get really frustrated sometimes, um, I just, uh, you know, you, sometimes you don't know who's if people are listening, if people like it, blah, 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 and you just, sometimes you get a little burnt out, and, but then, guys like Tom Spanbauer, I felt rejuvenated after this conversation, and inspired, he's just a, such a great guy, and it makes you want to write a novel, but uh, don't, people, we've got enough. We've got enough writers out there right now. <laughs> uh and uh, the less competition for me and Tom Spanbauer the better. Um so yeah, don't do that. Don't write. It's uh, I I often wonder, I've been wondering lately like, you know, cuz now with laptops and like final draft and these writing programs uh, or down, what are they, I don't know what they're called on computers, I'm an idiot, but, you know, it's, writing is easier than ever, and I, you know, I wonder if if we still had to write like Ernest Hemingway, and literally, actually cut and paste things, and, uh, retype an entire page, and (laughs) it's like, I think we would have... I think that's why we look back at like novels over the centuries and go, man, there were so many great novels in that year or that era. And it's because most people were too probably goddamn lazy to write anything. They were like, I got to – no way. But with computers, you could just – you cut and paste. You could – it's just – it's easy. And I'm lazy, so I'm really happy Uh, Though I am old enough that when I did start writing, (laughs) I did have a typewriter, an electric typewriter at that. But I have two uh, manual typewriters, and that's a lot of work. You probably, after, like, Moby Dick was written, he probably uh, was able to kick people's asses just solely with his fingers from all his typing. Melville. I couldn't think of his name. But I didn't. Then I got paranoid that you thought maybe I was talking. That I thought Hemingway wrote Moby Dick, and I might not be formally educated, uh, but I'm not that dumb. Enough of my ramblings. Let's please get to the conversation, the great conversation with the great Tom Spanbauer. I, I said this in an email, and I don't mean to gush, but I'm really honored and uh, that you would uh, take out the time to talk to me, and I'm enamored with you as a writer, and the, the things that you've also spoken and written about uh, writing is uh, is really just goddamn inspiring.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, it's really great to hear. Thank you.
1: Yeah, the, uh, I Loved You More, which is your current novel, I, it's it's one of those rare moments that when I'm reading it, I feel like weirdly that I'm in that space with those characters. Like, it's not like I'm reading it laying in my bed. I I really feel like I'm in it. Uh Uh-huh. And it's, uh, I find that to be incredibly rare, and there's such warmth and care in your writing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Well... You know, I was
2: talking to with a student last last night about this. She's, um, you know, uh, writing about a lot of about sexual abuse and panic, and and really you can hardly read it. It's so, it's so, it's so terrorizing, and and it's good to hear that you know, you can, that, that there's a way that you can read, I loved you more. And with all the, the grief and all the sadness in it, that there's still a way that, that's, um, that you can step out of it too, and look at it and, and, and enjoy it as well.
1: Yeah. And it's also, it's, um, it is, it's an, ex- it's, it's an extension of things that have actually happened in your life, Correct.
2: Well, it's based on a friend of mine who died, yeah, and it's uh, similar events, yes. Um he was a um fiction writer as well. Um you know, but um, I I am I'm, I'm quick to point out that uh, uh it's it's based on on something that happened and and it's um it's uh, dedicated to him. But you know the invention is so different from the events that they're themselves. Uh, there's it's a it's fiction. It's a it's a bunch of lies mixed in with with a thread of truth. So so it's um, you know it's not what really happened. It's uh, it's kind of like a Francis Bacon painting that you know he he paints um, popes, but he always paints from a photograph and. The photograph of the Pope, you know, the guy sitting there with a miter on and investments. But by the time he's done with that photograph, he's, he's nailed really the, the, what the Catholic Church and what the Pope really is about, you know, uh, much, much more. And so um, uh, I, I like to think of that as, as the invention, as, as like a, a Francis Bacon painting of, of a photograph of something that really happened
1: and you and you've sort of that is somewhat the i guess you what you call dangerous writing is that fall into that and uh, your yes, approach to yeah. teaching
2: yeah 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 dangerous writing is what I what I teach and <clears throat> you know it's pretty much um, um well it's just my attempt to get <clears throat> people out of hollywood really um because uh, people will come to class with with all kinds of uh, fantastic um Plot twists and 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 strange you know things that 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 just don't have anything to do with anything at all except maybe Hollywood and and and, and screenplay, screenplay writing and so I I I my first assignment to everybody is to is to write about a moment that after you were different and <clears throat> and um, by by getting people to focus on their own um, interiority and their own Um, uh, story. It, 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 it brings the writing closer to home. It, it takes all that, um, all that kind of, uh, of, um, that, that spy, um, 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 vampire thing out of it. And just, it just brings it in, into, you know, into their bodies and into their hearts. And, um, um, the Dalai Lama said something really cool. He said that, when you meet somebody new to look them directly in the eyes and be kind because within those eyes there's a great battle waging and for me that you know everybody going to their own heart and and looking at their own interior ghosts and their own own um, uh, battles you know really what, by doing that really you're acknowledging your humanity and everybody, everybody's included instead of of this 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 script that's outside that is you know supposedly by page 7 this is supposed to happen by page 13 this is supposed to happen and um it's just a way of 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 de, de- um, um you know trying trying to get people out of this kind of of television um or movie um um idea of of what a story is.
1: Yeah. Do you find that slightly alarming that so many people, I mean, say they're attempting to write a book, but they're so influenced by um, Hollywood, which to me, that terrifies me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that is terrifying because, first of all, it's, um, you know, um, it's it's a map. Uh, A screenplay writing is a map. For, for another you know and not something else it's a map for a film it's not writing it's 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 not it's not writing i mean it's 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 writing a map for what the camera or or the director should do and so um it's, it's i when i was in um <clears throat> columbia i had a class from steven spender and he said something great he said um with poetry, how one word lies next to another word, and that the essence that is created by that space by those two words, and how they lay on the page is what makes poetry poetry. But he said, with prose, prose is different with prose, all the words all the words in prose have little signs on them that say, "Don't look at me story this way," and so as soon as I heard that i I really loved hearing that, but I immediately disagreed with him and so you know in 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 so many ways um dangerous writing um is about voice and is about the 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 text itself calling asking the reader to pay attention to it to not say, don't look at me. This is just, this is just a reported sentence to get you from A to B. Uh, this look, this is a piece of poetry, and after you've finished reading it, you're going to stop. Oh, wait a minute! I'm going to go back and read that again. That's really something. But that doesn't mean that I'm not. I'm against r- reported or reported sentences, or 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 getting somebody from one place to another. It's just that um, I, I really am in favor of of. Of um, making the 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 voice itself, uh, I, I say that. Um, 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 let me see. Uh, um, the voice, the the way you the way you mess up your voice is is the is what makes character lies in the destruction of the sentence so by by destroying sentences by making them not sound like they're written it actually gives the 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 voice that the writing itself gives you a character so that the person that's speaking to you has really has a character he is a specific he is he has specific music that he uses to talk to you
1: yeah I've noticed that with a lot of your characters there's there's a st- it's just the the way they speak and the the way they talk to you in the book is just so distinct and I think that's another element of why it comes so alive for me it, it, it there's like a intimacy i would i guess
2: that's that's great because that's exactly what I'm going for I'm going for you know <coughs> i i i <coughs> I like to, with my students, say, you know, you and I are best friends, and we haven't seen each other for six months, and and this thing has just happened to you. And we go out and have two margaritas, and you start telling me this story about this important thing that happened to you, and that's the way that, that, that your story should sound. Like you haven't talked to your best friends in six months and you have this incredible thing that's happened to you and you can't wait to tell them all about it, you your second margarita and that's trying to translate that to the page is, is is that's that's part of the of the process of making it sound like listen to me, reader, this is really important.
1: Are you encouraging us to drink margaritas while we write? Uh,
2: well, <laughs> my my margarita days
1: are over, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's um, I don't know. I I I, I read a fair amount, and I there's, uh, I just feel like uh, I don't know. There's novels like yours, I don't find as much anymore or even or it's and Rhonda, who publishes you hawthorne books i feel like she is a a champion of a lot of great writers and but i when i meander around a bookstore i just a lot of times i end up very frustrated because i feel like it's what you what you said about like people trying to write for hollywood which and there seems to have and maybe this is my weird world but i feel like um heart and emotion is something that is, um, or truth is like something sort of disappearing in books.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think it's such a sad thing. That, um, Rhonda and I had dinner last Friday night, and she said, you know, really what's, uh, what's happening to literary fiction is what's happening to poetry. You know, nobody is really um, paying attention to it like they should. And, you know, and it's hard to sell. Yeah, god damn
1: it! Do you think there is a that there will be a change in that? That this is maybe some kind of phase that we're going through? I just boy,
2: that's that's a fifty thousand dollar question. <laughs> 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 we're all really, really trying to figure that one out, and um, um, I don't know. For, for I, I think, I think that. Um, like you know heidegger i read some read some heidegger and he 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 talks about how we're in the technological age and how in an age what happens is you know that there's there's kind of a, a math kind of of, of agreement about certain things, and, and now the mass agreement is about technology and uh, so if you can build one house this way and it functions and it, and it functions well, why not build a million? and and so that's what we do we we get one plan and we build a million of them so um what happens is you know i think hollywood screenplays have, have and and this uh, effectiveness and this efficiency that that's that's just told to you um is um is um is is is, is um is part of this this technological world that we have now, and um, uh, there's, there's not any room for, for you know, um, a form that's different. In fact, people will, when they start reading something, first of all, they, they go, well, this isn't third-person omniscient. This is really strange, and I don't know if I really can get used to this. And then, and then it doesn't follow the normal plot um, um, pace you know this is going here now it's going there now it's going here what this 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 guy doing and 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 i think before you know we were so technologically um 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 uh, swamped uh, that that people would were enjoying that more but now they've got 20 minutes between the time they get on the bus and until they get to their job and they want they want to, they want to be fulfilled in those twenty minutes they want they want they want to go from A to Z in twenty minutes because everything in our society is geared that way
1: yeah I always like there's little little beacons of hope I think of like I think that people returning to vinyl in a weird way to me yeah, is a sign yeah. that people are getting tired of this bullshit and they want to have. Uh, an intimate relationship with their art or the music, and I mean, yeah. I, I bought a Kindle hoping, I you know, I bought it for purposes of doing the show. That if I had to read something quickly, I could access it. But I fucking hate it.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Yeah, I I you, you're, I'm totally with you on the vinyl there. Uh, I I I think it's a great sign that that uh, that vinyl is is is. Uh, Coming back into having a having a say in the music world, I think it's 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 great and it's great news for all of us and Rhonda people like Rhonda you know um who who believe in in artists and who believe in 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 story and who take chances you know these are our pioneers these are our 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 these are the brave people. I mean, we had dinner the other night, and after dinner, she, she, you know, strapped on her big coat and she put her slice of pizza in her pocket, and and she put her bike bike helmet on and she and she biked home. You know, it just <laughs> and and it doesn't because she didn't have a car, but you know, it's it, it, there's just a way that that. Um, um, uh, I don't know I can't say good enough about Rhonda right now she's just an amazing woman
1: Yeah there's and it's interesting to the poetry thing that, that we that was got brought up is like I feel and maybe this is uh me me being misinformed or something but I feel like it used to be poetry was an important thing and I mean in the 50s and 60s people seemed to read it more uh, commonly <laughs> we like yeah. I, I don't know anybody who's like hey what Poet are you into right yeah, right right
2: right yeah well back when i was in school you know Ferlinghetti getty was like and allen ginsberg these these people were were like gods there were there were many gods and if if you could even have a book in your hand that ferling getty wrote or or you you know we'd say city lights like it was like you know well, like it was the gates of heaven there was just something so um so real and true about it. It was our. It was the way that we were going to save our souls. Ferlinghetti was going to save save our souls. And and you know, geez, these days it just. Well, I'm I'm an old man. I'm 68. So you know, old people always say, and that's the younger generation are worth worth this goddamn. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm 46 and you know. I say it too. By the way. <laughs> they're on their on their telephone or on their iPod and and what you have is this incredibly dense place of 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 super saturation and and interaction but n- nobody is is
1: there everybody is somewhere else I did want to ask you though about cuz we were talking about uh poets and the beats and I, I I'm curious why people I feel like people uh, can't. They're st- enamored with them and justifiably so. But I feel like a lot of people can't move past that era in in poetry and writing. And a lot of like just a lot of younger people I know are like totally caught up in that world or Bukowski, and yet explore very little else. And I was wondering if you had a, a, a thought of why that is, because it sometimes frustrates me.
2: Yeah, hmm that's an interesting question. I I couldn't really, you know, I could think about that a bit, but you know, it just seems like um it it seems to fit in so well that that you know, there really isn't anybody right now who is um um who wants to step forth and 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 and, and, and say something new and brave. Um um maybe there are but and but they can't get get to get to an audience because you know c n n won't won't play them you know but but it just seems like um that ninety nine percent that was going on there that was really great for a while but um um it it seems like there's just this corporate culture and in the corporate culture. Um, I always thought that you know it was this big fist of the corporateness, but you get into corporate culture, and and the people inside corporate culture, none of them want to make any waves. They all want to just rise up to, to you know the, the standard and stay stay in the status because they don't want to rock the boat too much because uh they they could lose their position and and so i think i think that it's, it's 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 i don't say there's no brave people out there anymore there's a lot of them but uh, we're just not we don't get to hear them because um they're just
0: uh, I, I, you know you, you
2: um They just don't play nobody will play them maybe it's it's our media won't let us know that there's this really brave beautiful new poet that's that's you know speaking out his heart down in this basement bar somewhere because it first of all it it sounds in like like it sounds um it sounds um like it's boy that's already happened how could that possibly happen again so so i don't i i don't know it would for me it has something to do with um with um the, the lack of of people ha- having the 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 balls to to you know stand up and and say something new or the fact that there are a lot of people standing up and saying something new but for some reason or another because of technology uh, they're not getting heard.
1: Yeah, I, I too, I feel like culturally, there's a lot of things being. It's like a, uh, I'm gonna say it, the younger generation, <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like there, there's a lot of regurgitation and sort of what they they do, and there's also a weird sort of tone of don't be more like ah, let's just have fun and fuck around and not uh, uh, upset things in the mainstream yeah. of that, and. Like yeah. anger is sort of a, a discouraged thing, and even uh, passion seems to as a perform. You don't like pa- being a passionate performer. Sometimes seems to get poo pooed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I
2: strange. think so too. Yeah, I often think you know. I don't know a lot about hip hop, and that you know, there's a lot about. Uh, so I, I I'm not somebody to 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 quote here, but you know how they sample. They'll 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 get a, the the actual melody. Often will be sampled from an old, um, you know, BB B. King song or something like that, and then they'll put all this technology around it, and and then that's what the song is, you know, and so that's
1: that's what it seems like. What often is the case? Yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it just seems like even a lot of art is. Um just like uh, weird homages to pop culture <laughs> and I'm just like yeah. can we can we please s- s- move on from that please
2: <laughs> yeah yeah I'm I'm totally with you I'm totally
1: with you um there was um there was I'm sorry I'm looking for the note there was a thing you said about writing that it should come oh from the sore place um, yeah, yeah. And uh, that really st- struck me and I was wondering if you could expound on that.
2: Well, you know, all, all of us um no, that's that's what happened with I loved you more. Uh say for example, my friend died and and uh I was so so upset by this that I thought that I would sit down and write about it and, and I couldn't write about it because I was so still had so much um, resentment and I still had so much jealousy and I still had so much sorrow that it was just like this icky piece of shit that I never didn't want anything to do with and so one day I just started lying about it. I stepped back and started creating characters that were were lying and and by lying about it and by calling people different names and by you know um you know making a french bacon painting out of it um i i i was able to to get to this sore place um because uh, i wasn't just in the sore place i was outside of it enough that i could look at it and um but you know uh this sore place in is is in all of us there's a, there's a way that each one of us is haunted you know i'm i'm so haunted still by my father and by the catholic church and my mother and my sister and um you know and 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 bullies and um i just um um, these are my ghosts, and they're 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 the things that have made me me, and and the th- the things that I have feared the most, and 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 when I uh, when I ask my when my students uh, go to write, I you know the the moment that after you're different generally is a a, a place of grief, a place of joy, a place of sadness, a place of of understanding but in any case it's it's um it's um it's it's a place that um that is living in us and we know it's living in us but we we kind of look at it like the elephant in the room we don't really pay any attention to it and by writing by writing about the sad place the sore place the scary place the secret place you know immediately we we start talking about sex we start talking about gender. We start talking about race. And and these are all so fundamentally human beings, human things, that um, um, it just immediately takes us to that, that by becoming so specific, it becomes so huge all at the same time.
1: Why, why do you think that, like, because uh, you mentioned that that's when we start talking about sex. Why are we so... I just, I find so many of our sexual attitudes, and I mean, I'm definitely a goofball, <laughs> but it's like, that our our attitudes towards sexuality and sex in this country are just, to me, at times, fucking absurd.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it's, uh, it seems like, you know, well, first of all, it from our education we've we've we haven't learned really anything maybe except for the, what the reproductive system of the body does and maybe if we're lucky you know somebody's talked to us a little bit about it but it's probably been been bad information so and then on the other end we have the internet which is straight out porn so so either we have you know a mom and dad's version of of the birds and the bees to us, or we have you know you know um, you know huge penises going into uh, vaginas you know, and there's no place in between. There's no there's no um, um, there's no place for the heart uh, to come in there and go. Hey, this is a little little this is really intense and it's a little scary to me but I would like more of this but gosh you know it just feels so real and it just feels so true I don't know if I really want to step into that place but yet again it's so enticing and so you know this is always going on and so you know again um, technology has given us the internet and has given us porn and um, so you know that um, balanced out with you know the 50s version of, of the birds and the bees um, I, I just think we're all just we're all lost in there and that for me the sexiest scenes that could possibly be is um, is um, there was a movie called My Son the Terrorist or something like that it's a British film from the, the 80s and <clears throat> and it's about a a, a a cab driver in London, who's who's um, um, from Pakistan, and um, his son is is a, is a is a jihadist, and um and this this he's got really bad skin, and he's just. Driving this cab, and and he picks up this prostitute one day, and she's you know working her trade, and and what happens is these two people fall in love, and so what we have is this very particular man, and this very particular woman, and the way they those two people fall in love is is because each one is who they are, and and it's the mystery of the personal and the mystery of how this person's energy and 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 sexual pheromones mix with this person's and that makes it sexy what's what's scary is you know if, if i reach out and touch his leg uh, is is this going to be something that he Will enjoy, or is this
1: something that will push him away? You know, and that tension is, is, is sexy. We're going to get back to the conversation here in one moment, but I just want to take out this time to uh, make you aware of if you go to my page at feralaudio.com, the Conversations with Matt Dwyer page, and if you click on the Amazon link, and if you use that anytime you purchase things like uh, groceries, um, medicine, shampoo, DVDs, Feral Audio and Conversations with Matt Dwyer gets a kickback of that money, and that can help us uh, keep our lights on and buy equipment. I currently desperately need a new recorder so I can do more extensive interviews with more than two people at a time. Uh, This would help me out greatly. You can also donate through that Donate button on my pages as well. Um, So if you really want to buy me a new Zoom recorder, that would be awesome. Thank you, very much for listening. Back to the conversation. Yeah, and uh, you grew, well, you grew up in kind of an era where, I mean, you were was it the fifties in Idaho? I was born in nineteen forty six,
2: and yeah, so I was the forties and the fifties in Idaho. Yeah.
1: So that was like that must have been. I mean, that's must have been. I guess a very. Puritanic.
2: That was a <laughs> that was fu- that was fucked up is what it was.
1: <laughs> okay, that's I was trying to be, get to that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it it was pretty fucked up. I mean, when when the nuns used to come into the into the church, everybody stood up and everybody trembled. The parents trembled, the kids trembled, and the nuns these big swooping black skirts and veils came walking in, and everybody was trembling. And then we prayed to God, please don't, you know, please don't, you know, please love us. And I know I had original sin, and just by being born, I'm a piece of shit. And um, um, and I know that I've had impure thoughts, which means that I could go to hell and stand in eternal flames for eternity just for Thinking about having a hard on, let alone jerking off. I mean, the fear is 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 everywhere. I mean, and and your and your you're, anything that comes from inside of you is suspect
1: because it's probably a sin or it's probably anything that comes. You know, it's interesting that when you were saying all that about fear, and you know, growing up in that era with, and I I had a back Catholic background and and sort of. Um, I was terrorized as a kid and had a shitty home life and stuff. And then I didn't even, it didn't even dawn on me when you're saying all this stuff. It's, I'm thinking it's in the 50s and it's the 60s. And then you throw in, you already have all this fear shoved into your life. Then you have the threat of nuclear war in Vietnam. Like you had just nothing, like your life must have been just surrounded by terror.
2: On top of that, I knew I was gay and um, at four years old. And um, uh, it took me 35 years to come out. But you know I at a very early age, I knew that there was something really, really excuse me very very wrong, very bad about me, and that was really the source of all the terror,
1: yeah, I mean, in that era it must have been because that's like you said there was something wrong with me, which is the way it was yeah. viewed back then, and that must have i the the struggle to deal with that must have been just incredibly painful.
2: Yeah, it was really. It was a lot of pain. Um, and everybody could tell it about me. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> I was the Catholic boy who who had to be bused to Catholic school through, you know, two, 12 miles of, of Mormon, Mormon, Mormons and Native Americans. And the bus would pull up, and there I was then there in my Catholic school school outfit, you know, uniform, my red binder, my hair parted, and my lunch bag. And all these kids looked out and they saw this little studious, you know, very sensitive, pleasant little boy. And they thought, well, let's get him. He's a good one. Let's get him. And, uh, you know, I just, I was just, uh, I was a mark all my life. And, and uh, you know, I just didn't realize it until my brother's son is gay as well. And as a little boy, uh, how exuberant he was and how interested and in how much he was in his head and how how he had smurfs and how he, he liked to line them up certain ways. And he'd walk up to you and just, you know, start imagining, you know, and it's just this weird and, and gay as can be, and I knew it right then, and I'm sure my father, I think I was that way too, and my father just saw that in me, and he said, well, we're going to beat that out, of, either beat that out of him or work that out of him, and he tried both, really, believe me. He tried beating that out of me, and he worked me so hard. I tell you, I, I you know, it was, it was not pretty. My father was a mean man. If he could have had slaves, he would have had slaves.
1: Was there ever any resolution with your father, or did that just... No,
2: no, none at all. There was for a while there, but after I got AIDS, and he he just didn't understand that, and he, he refused to believe that I got it from another man, and he blamed it on the fact that I went to the Peace Corps in Africa and mixed with all those niggers down there.
1: <sighs> That's... uh. That is intense. Did your father never, he never accepted that you were gay? No,
2: no. No, the very last time I saw him was very much like in the book. Uh, I went to um, lean down to embrace him, and I knew it was the last time I'd ever see him. And I didn't know really what I was going to do. I thought maybe I'd brush my cheek against his, or or put my head on his shoulder or something, and he thought I was going to kiss him. That his homo son was going to kiss him, and he just—he was pretty much um, um, out of his body, you know, and couldn't really couldn't talk. But as soon as he saw me coming toward him, he just—he just really threw a fit, and and I—I um—I just held him in my gaze after he went through his little convulsion. The fact, I said to him, I said. What would be so terrible if your son tried to kiss you? What was the last thing I said to him?
1: Wow, that's um, that is intense, and I am sorry that you experienced that pain. Yeah. Uh, did was did writing in a way? Because it seems like a lot of your philosophy and stuff about writing is was that sort of a sort of a way to gain perspective and, I, I don't want to use the word therapy, but yes. healing or... Are... Definitely.
2: Definitely. I, I I don't know what I would have done without writing. I mean, really all these things that have happened to me that there were several times in my life where I knew I either had to change or just, you know, off myself. and And writing has always been the thing that got me my ass out of that crack. And so... You know this this self therapy through writing and through telling the truth has has been been the thing for me that has kept me alive
1: god it's it's amazing how how many lives being creative and and art has saved and altered and given hope to, and yet our society is so. <laughs> So I'd laugh because it hurts. <laughs> it's like so kind of non-encouraging of it. And it's just like you could if we encouraged it more and supported it in our schools, we would so drastically change our our, our fucking worlds and lives.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's that white paranoid patriarchy where just everybody's just so terrified of, of anything that's new or real or anything that's coming from the heart it's it's just too too threatening if it isn't the standard you know subdivision house then then um, I, I it, it just doesn't fit we have to you know I can't I won't buy a house that, that doesn't look this way it's just there, there, there you go
1: it's so strange when you say when you say like truth I mean that's a it's such a like in writing and finding the truth, it's such a big uh concept what what is what is that defined for you
2: well you know it's, it's on so many levels um personally, this book really uh, i learned some things about my sister that I never learned before i just really while I was writing it 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 occurred you know i understood it and 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 that was, you know, things like, um, you know, I was her little brother and she loved me. And, um, but I wasn't my father and I wasn't like him. So as much as she loved me, she also hated me because I wasn't like him. And, and because I wasn't like him, um, um, I was to be ridiculed. And so um 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 i i i forgot our, my my thread of thought there uh, Matt. Where, where were we going
1: oh what what truth is what
2: uh, so yeah the uh, so so the truth of the matter, matter is you know my sister and i were so close and and we taught each other how to love but at the same time there was something about me that absolutely repelled her because I wasn't, I was a man, but I wasn't acting like a man should. I wasn't acting like my father. And, and so I was to be ridiculed. And so I uh, internalized that ridicule because I'm not like him, then um, I'm fucked up. And that, that, uh, that understanding that, that my sister's voice is in my head and I've made it mine now this has given me so much power that every time I hear this, you know, really, I have it here somewhere. Um, yeah, I wrote it down the other day. You dumb piece of shit. This is all your fault because you can't do anything right. You, you deserve to suffer because this is all your fault. Wait till dad hears about this. I mean... When I'm at my worst and I'm having my worst day, I can just say, what am I saying to myself? I'm saying, you dumb piece of shit. This is all your fault. You can't do anything right. You deserve to suffer because this is all your fault. And, and then the big scary thing is, Oh Jesus, you did that. You wrote that book. Oh my God. Wait till dad hears about this. So, you know, I'm just carrying this shit around. It's, it's me now. And 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 by writing this book, I've been able to understand that those are the voices going on in my head. I didn't—I knew there were voices going on, but I didn't really realize that this is what they're saying and what import they had. How important they are! These fucking ghosts—what they're doing to me.
1: God, isn't it incredible? I mean, how many years you can carry that? Oh yeah, and even know—like I know—like my father was not. Uh he was a terrible human being. <laughs> but it's like uh and I know that that negativity in my brain was planted there by him, but it's still like it just you can't it's so hard to fucking shake. It's
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, it is so hard it's hard to shake.
1: And you know, and then yeah. and like I, I that's I think maybe why I relate a lot to your writing and in you is like I I got the shit kicked out of me, like, from, it was like a neighborhood event. (laughs) It was like family and friends and neighbors and Uh strangers Uh even. Like, and it was just, and I think once you start carrying around this, uh, I don't want to use the word victim, but, you know, you get, beat down so much that it I think it hangs on you and then people see it and then they, they just yeah, tune into yeah. it and they're like, Well yeah, just some yeah. I mean I remember people like just eating in a restaurant and some guys just throwing food at me and I was like, I'm not even doing yeah, anything
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly, exactly. There's a way that, that that you just you just carry you start carrying this vibe that that, that people will pick up on. And 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 especially men who are who are homophobes they they're the ones that are going to see because they see it in themselves they they're really covering it up so that when they see you and they that you aren't covering up your suffering or your sensitivity and, and it's not necessarily that that you know i i don't know if you're gay or not or whatever but 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 they see that you're not typically male and because you're not typically male, you know, you're, you're, you're it. You get, we're going to beat the shit out of you now.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not gay, but I had, um, I don't know if it was just environment, because I was the youngest of five, and I had very, uh, a couple brothers who were very angry and aggressive and abusive, and as well as with a dad who was frustrated in life. And I think just being around that violence, and then I also, like, I, I liked escapism I liked watching old movies and television and and uh-huh. I liked books and my brothers liked um, beating people up <laughs> it's like so mm-hmm. I just was yeah. I didn't uh, and you know and uh, I don't I don't know people just took a liking to punching me maybe I just have a very uh, punchable face I don't know <laughs> so yeah. maybe it's I know <laughs> I
2: mean yeah you're just you're just saying to yourself well I was just walking down the street what the fuck you know
1: yeah, and I, you know, I've I've talked about this on my show before, but my father died in a very violent manner when I was 12 and and I think all those things combined and you know, I and I was I was there for it and I just uh that I think so books and film and uh music were things I really ran to because there was comfort in those right. And there right. was no other comfort in anything, really. Right, right. I understand. And, uh, you know, I, I was in a neighborhood that uh, you almost, people prided themselves on being stupid. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, getting good grades was like an embarrassing thing. And I'm like, look back at it yeah. and I'm like, wow, that's a really fucked perspective.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally understand it. I totally
1: understand that. Yeah. Um I, You know, I, 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 I wish I could live in Portland just so I could study under your, uh, your...
2: Oh, wow. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, That'd be great. Uh, Thursday night, four o'clock.
1: I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'll leave on Tuesday. I'll drive up and then uh, after... Okay.
2: Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and you've yeah, been,
1: you've been sort of the, is it true that you've sort of been a mentor for... Uh, I believe Lydia Yukovich who uh, 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 did I pronounce her last name correctly?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, everybody, uh, has an idea about the people in Portland. There's Lydia and, uh, there's, um, Cheryl Strayed and there's a Chuck Ponyo and there's myself. And, uh, and see, there might be some other people too, but, um, Lydia is just a friend. And, um, She'll be the first to tell you that, you know, she picked up Manifold in Love of the Moon when she was a young girl and it changed her life. And so it was my writing really touched her. But she's never had a class for me. And Cheryl, Cheryl is uh, uh, a friend also, uh, never taken my class. But Chuck um, wrote quite Club well in, my, in my kitchen.
1: Wow. And,
2: and myself, you know, and everybody kinda of knows that we're all up here and they think we're all pals and we all hang around together, but you know, I barely ever see any of these people. And um and Lydia and I are very close. Cheryl is you know, Cheryl is uh, with Oprah now so really you can't really see Cheryl. And and Chuck and Chuck is um Chuck is, is um um He's an interesting guy. He's a very, very different guy from me. And, and for a while there, um, the fact, you know, he, he didn't, um, really, um, he tried to separate himself from me, which I, I fully totally understand as, as a beginning writer. But now these days, he's very open and very, very, um, uh, uh, uh generous to me and, and all I that I've helped him with but you know I, I think Bike Club is really a, a wonderful piece of writing and, um uh, so I am happy to be a part of that
1: Yeah it's just uh, so many I I did I have not read uh, Cheryl but uh I've recently read Lydia's uh, Chronology of Water which just f- floored me it's yeah. it's a yeah. It's she's and it's like kind of how I felt when I, you know, when you I read you, it's just like it's you go, oh, there's. Well, first of all, then I'm like me as a writer, I'm like, oh, I'm just a kid in a sandbox playing with trucks <laughs> in comparison yeah. to yeah. these people.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She is amazing. I love to follow her. You know, she's kind of scary because she'll start off on the sentence. And she'll go away, and then she'll go away some more, and then she'll go away some more. And you think, is she ever going to come back? And then she comes back, and it's just usually a great land. Just, she's just amazing.
1: Yeah, and when we were talking about this earlier, just like you know, more uh, uh, writing, uh, like that, and and being more experimental and stuff. I mean, I feel like there's you and there's these and Lydia and these writers, and it's it seems like I mean, it's sort of this. In my brain, I get this like sort of whirling water, and it's like it's going to spread out and affect other writers and hopefully writing. I mean, because I think at the core, people who want to read and do read are yearning for work like this.
2: <laughs> well, I hope so. I hope you're right, Matt. Really, I hope you're right.
1: I mean, even in 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 film, it's like we're 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 given. I, I just you know like can we fuck off with the superhero movies? <laughs>
2: Yeah, really, um, and the vampire movies, and just will you please stop it?
1: Yeah, I don't. I just feel it's it's it really. I'm just feeling like people are better and smarter than that, and they are really want quality, and they're just not getting it, so that they're getting conditioned to to for garbage.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, ever since Ronald Reagan, too, we really haven't had any money for arts or for for education so how many generations have passed without really having any decent education you know so what what what, what we got here is that all these people running around who, who really don't know how to read who really haven't had any introduction to music to poetry to to you know and and they you know like you know can't even read let alone and and so what do you from these people. You don't expect them to read literary fiction and to read poetry. You expect them to pull up the TV, pull up get up a big gulp and turn on the turn on the, you know, you know whatever Iron Man shit. You know, it's just it's, there it is.
1: No one wants to critically or skeptically think about anything anymore and it's it's um or like analyze a book. I think uh, Christopher Hedges was saying people in c- colleges now they can they can read a book and they can kind of tell you what it's about, but they can't go he 's like they really can't go any deeper than the oh, face value wow. of what you know they can 't go into deeper meaning wow. of it and that's uh, uh alarming
2: <laughs> that's very terrifying isn't it really terrifying,
1: yeah, I wanted to add, like what um when I interviewed Poe Ballantyne, he said something to me. I asked him, like, what books influenced him. He said, what's a—he said, what is a better question is what books work for me. And I was, A, curious what you think about that. That, But he was like, you know, Moby Dick, like, what about that When you Look at books and what about them work. And, and I was wondering what ber- books work for you or, and or influenced you or still inspire you.
2: Well, let's see— Um there's uh, 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 Rilke's Duino Elegies is probably the book I read the most, and um,
1: can, I'm sorry. Can you what, repeat the title of that again?
2: Sure, Duino D-U-I-N-O, Elegies. Okay, and it's by Rainer Maria Rilke, uh, and I just it's it's this really this bizarre talk to 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 God and to the angels about how what kind of how we are spirits, you know, living in, in bodies and, and it's, and it's poetry and it's, it's, it's really, I sometimes don't know what the hell is going on, but it's just so amazing to be in this man's hands. Um, I think, um, uh, there's a, a book called, um, oh, Louise Gluck's poetry. Averno is, is really an amazing bunch of uh, of poetry that just knocked me out um also um, Mark Doty's My Alexandria is really really wonderful um Aaron Applefeld, um Beyond Despair he talks about the concentration camps and how how you keep living after that kind of horror how you can have hope after that kind of horror um I mean, well, there's a great book by uh, a friend of mine, James Ward, "My Queer War," that I think is really pretty wonderful. Um, "How I Became Hetty Jones," uh, wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, I was a uh, super in East 5th Street, uh, sweeping the sidewalks, and um, <clears throat> this uh, little uh, woman kept walking by, and she was really, really sweet, and Finally, she introduced herself as Hattie Jones, and, and it turns out she, she's Leroy Jones's wife, who is Amira, Amira Baraka, Baraka. And um, Amira, Amira Baraka uh, came to my school at Idaho State University in 1969 as Leroy Jones. And <clears throat> I had never experienced anybody being so angry in my life he was standing there just yelling at us, you stupid white motherfuckers, you just—I I, 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 didn't know what to do because, you know, I hadn't had really ever even known a black person up to that point. And, and here was all this racial hatred, and I just remember driving home and lying down on my bed and, and thinking, I just have to breathe here for a while. And then later on uh, in my life, here I am— classes in the college he teaches me a class and, and and but anyway teddy jones was uh um wrote this wonderful book how i became teddy jones and she she invited me to the book party and i went downtown uh in uh, on broadway in one of those cast iron buildings and uh I I walked into that room and I've never walked into a room like that before. I've never had that feeling and I've wanted that feeling ever since because who was there? People were all 10 to 15 years older than me. They're all old beatniks. They're all Jews. They're all blacks and they're all public communists. And I just felt like, oh my God, this is the most fucking beautiful place I could ever be. Look at all these beatniks. <laughs> and I, I just want, I just want to walk into a room like that again and feel that again. It was just so wonderful. So how I became Hetty Jones is a book I read. Of course, Moby Dick and and Whitman Leaves of Grass and uh, well, well, you know, Moby Dick really. What makes it work for me is 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 the um, the sexuality in it is so daring, for its time. It it takes it takes. I, I love people who have long strides, who take their time to tell stories, and 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 have all uh, all kinds of characters that interact. And then, as it turns out, you know, there's the great, you know, adventurous white whale, and this big battle, and, and you know, and everything in in, in the world is is you. Found out about everything in the world by reading this book, and and that's you uh, know this this idea of a big stride of taking in the universe really just in the form of a whale, a uh, howl is really an incredible book to me, and Alan Ginsberg is just you know, and it's his use of language really. I think that was those those these um I'm I'm leaving some out now, I'm sure. I really love Lydia Yuknovich, that's for sure. Um um uh, and uh, and there's also a, a book that uh, Hoffman put out um and it's The End of Eve by Ariel Gore. I think that's one of the sweetest books. Well, it's really not sweet, but it's it's one of the funnest it's not not fun either. It's just it's a fucking great book.
1: You know, it, it just uh, dawned on me when you were talking about Columbia in 1969. That's when uh, Mark Rudd and I forget what the organization was, but it sort of turned into the Weather Underground, and that, yeah, yeah, that, that was quite a tumultuous time to be a student at Columbia. Yeah. Did you yeah. were did you were you affected by any of that? I'm sure there was like elements that was just like uh, going about its daily life, but were you around any of that? Just out of my own curiosity. Uh,
2: I'm I'm sorry, I'm. Just... I've I've misled you. I wasn't in Columbia till 1982.
1: Oh, I thought you. I, I thought I uh, heard 16. No, no,
2: no, no. In 1969, um, uh, Leroy Jones came to my college, oh. Idaho State University. Okay,
1: I misunderstood. And, my and so that But, yeah,
2: no, it's my fault. I was probably being unclear. Um. So yeah, I wasn't there at that time. So I I, I know it was a. It, it affected all of our lives. So. Still has affected mine,
1: but I wasn't there. Um, and that was this something I, I'm curious is um, because I believe if if I'm not mistaken, when I read uh, chronology of water Lydia's book, and I I feel like I, I, in her intro or something she said something about being hesitant about writing a memoir, and that she never really wanted to do one. And I was wondering if there is, do some writers like, because you talk about with your dangerous writing, of using your life but uh, making it like lying and. Be you know creating fantasy around it and i was do, do you i don't know if how to i don't want to word this in a weird way but like oh how do you feel about memoirs i guess would be the better way do you feel that it's a valid or is form or i don't know i'm, I'm bumbling through this yeah, question i, I think <laughs> I,
2: I, I, it's a, it's a hard thing to get to um m- mostly it's you know what it boils down to is market you know, the market labels this as memoir so that they can sell it, put it in the memoir section. Um, but, you know, there's also, uh, besides the, the whole, you know, marketing aspect of it, there's, there's you know, there's nothing really diff- any different from Natalie Bolberg writing about what's inside her heart and me writing what's inside my heart. Except that with memoir, you have to tell the truth. You have to stick to the truth. And um, um, because it's it's claiming to be this is what happened, and um, uh, my teacher said as soon as you open your mouth you're lying, and I I say the invention is always different on, from the event, so you know so I just it's that line between memoir and fiction is is is. Kind of bullshit, really, anyway. Um, But um, uh, Jennifer Laup, one of my students who ended up on Oprah, um, she wrote uh, Blackbird and um, and a couple of other, and she got into a lot of trouble after a while because, you know, some people started saying, well, that wasn't six blocks from her house. It was only three blocks. And, um, you know, she didn't have a dollhouse. She had a you know, and, and so, uh, it, it's just, it just gets into the m- mucky mire of, of, of what is real and what really happened. And, um, uh, I, I like memoirs. I, I don't think I'll ever write one though, because for me, say, for example, when I went to my diary about trying to find things about, um, what happened between me and um, uh, the, the character I called Hank in my story, uh, I, I, I have on the back of all my diaries, I have a list of things that I call Elba Kramer, which is re- to me the word remarkable backwards. So after our, the end, I re- write all this stuff down in the diary. In the back page, I have Elba Kramer's. And this Elba Kramer was Pete and I went to this, to the bike. And I went, holy Christ, Pete and I went to, to the bike. And I didn't remember really a thing about it. Um, so I had to make, I remember the spike. I remember him think Hank, the character Hank coming over. And, and like everything, that that has happened to us, I believe that it actually has, there's a place in our body that it exists. And by opening up just the, the fact that if I can sit here and breathe and open up to this, I can remember pretty much what happened. So I can remember him coming over. I can remember him looking like Jupiter. I remember him dressing him down. Um, I can remember the spike and how it all Worked, but the actual conversation about um, you know if you like to get fucked uh, um, that that's totally that me as an artist stepping in to trying to address something that that's often the case what what straight men want to ask gay men you know how, how do you do that and so um, I put that in there so so you know as far as memoir goes. Uh, it's it's 75 50 to 75 percent there but the part where I lied is is really uh, you know what makes the Francis bacon painting more interesting than the photograph of the Pope and but you know I, I'm not I'm not against it uh, uh, i I just think memoir is limiting. but it serves a function there's a way that a person wants to say, "This is what happened to, to me in my life, and I'm not making any of this shit up. And this is really true." I mean, and it seems to be right now, um, uh, and also a a a, um, a new wave of of um, of interest. That you know, how many movies have you seen that'll say, "Based on a true story." You know it's like for some reason or another everybody is really you know on reality TV everybody really wants to know what really happened and you know we're not gonna ever see a movie that's gonna say based on a big fat lie I mean it's just it's just there's something about um, uh, maybe that we don't trust our 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 news commentators, we don't trust our politicians, we don't trust they're all making this shit up. I want to go someplace that's really real because everywhere it's fiction. So maybe that's maybe that's the appeal of memoir these days, that this person is claiming this is true. It's just none of this is made up. Well, you know, really everybody when, when in their world when they look around themselves, they don't believe What's happening to them on TV? They don't believe politicians. They don't believe anybody. So maybe, maybe that's the appeal of the memoir.
1: That's a really interesting point. Um, I, I would like to wrap it up um, because, well, that's usually about how long I go. I want to first of all, I want to again thank you so very much for doing this. It was incredible, and I really not only enjoyed it. I feel like I learned an incredible amount just from talking to you.
2: Thanks a lot, Matt. That really makes me feel good. And, you know, if you're ever in Portland, please just drop me a line and maybe Thursday night you can drop in and sit in on one of the the classes.
1: I would love that. And I would love to get coffee. I'm in touch with Rhonda pretty regularly. So I would love to, I would would love nothing more than to meet you face to face. I think it would be quite the honor.
2: Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's sweet. It's sweet. I really, (laughs) really. Making my day here.
1: Um, but before we forget, um, you know, uh, your new novel, I Loved You More, you can get at, um, where can they find this book?
2: Uh, it's in um, most bookstores and uh, Amazon, and you can get from um, um, from uh, uh, Hawthorne Books as well.
1: Yeah, get it, yeah. Better probably better to get it from like maybe Powells or Hawthorne directly
2: Powell yeah or Hawthorne. either one of those two yeah and I'll, uh, always
1: carry. and tom dot Span- com they can find all your they can right. find and there's a great there's the video uh on right on your front page of your website of you reading from this book by the way is so great, like I think I watched it three times in a row
0: because <laughs> I
1: just I loved it thanks. so much
2: thanks a lot, Matt.
1: Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Please go to themattdwyer.com and check out uh, video. I'll have a video up, I hope, of uh, Tom reading from his newest novel, and you can find all things Matt Dwyer. Follow me on Twitter. Please donate or use the Amazon link on the Conversations with Matt Dwyer Feral audio page. Uh, we really, I need desperately need a new recorder, uh, to, so that would help greatly. Thank you. I love you. Bye. Feral Audio I can't
0: believe how cold it is. It's so cold Are you fucking in serious? Don't I cold. you fucking yeah, so, so, so so cold. Cold.